Welcome to episode two of the new Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce Sounding Board podcast. In this series, Chris Fletcher and Subra Krishnan Harihara provide their insight on the key issues faced by the Greater Manchester business community. In this episode, we focus on the struggles faced by the retail sector over recent years and how this is changing the look of our high streets. We also discuss how the Chamber analyses data and builds models to ensure we are providing our members with the highest quality, regular economic updates and forecasts. Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce's podcast, The Sounding Board. Um, We're here and we're going to look behind some of the issues, headlines and stories from the Greater Manchester business community. My name's Chris Fletcher, I'm the Policy Director at the Chamber of Commerce. And I'm Subra Krishnan Harihara, Head of Research at the Chamber. Okay. Subra, the last couple of days have have been pretty dire if you've been looking at what's been going on with some of the major retail names on the high street. And obviously a lot of this is being pinned on on the impact of COVID. But to be quite honest, you and I both in our our work in the Chamber have been keeping an eye on what's been going on on the high street in retail for a number of years. And there were significant problems before March and, and the first lockdown to do with COVID. Is what we've seen in the last couple of days really that unexpected? Uh, I don't think they are un- entirely unexpected. Um, perhaps what may be a bit surprising is uh, the, the pace at which the picture has uh, changed uh, since March. So as you correctly said, I think retail sector has had problems uh, for quite some time. Uh, we have lost uh, you know, uh, various uh, stores uh, within uh, retail. In some cases, you know, jobs were already uh, going within the retail sector. What COVID has done, of course, is to accelerate that pace of uh, change. Um, and, and one of the key things that we have talked about in the past is that the economic response to the health emergency that COVID presented uh, required constraints to be put on the supply side of the economy. So we closed shops, we closed uh, restaurants, And it is no surprise uh, that those uh, businesses are actually uh, the ones who have been worst uh, affected. So earlier in uh, March, April, May, uh, we had the national lockdown, which meant all non-essential shops uh, were uh, closed. That, I think, has uh, kind of almost hit the the nail in the coffin uh, for uh, for many of these um, stores. The problems are historic, of course, you know, property uh, rents, the location of some of these stores in town centers, uh, high up, very high business uh, rates, perhaps, you know, from where they are uh, operating. A general uh, a decline in uh, footfall and uh, customer behavior, which has been changing over the last many years, has forced uh, some of these uh, businesses to start developing their online uh, channels as well. And I think there is there is going to be demand once we get through the uh, COVID situation. The interesting thing to watch out will be, you know, what happens if these uh, stores uh, collapse and who is going to fill in the uh, fill it, the requirement uh, for the products or the services that you know. Debenhams is a is a two hundred and fifty year old uh, retail chain. Arcadia has got shops which go back, I think, to 120, 130 years. Mm. Uh, you know they have they have been an integral part of the uh, British High Street, um, and it will be a really interesting thing to watch over the next uh, couple of years. And I think it's one of those things that it, it, it is it has been the domino effect, hasn't it? Really, where you've seen the the collapse of the Arcadia Group, and of course 
they were the main concession holders in Debenhams, and all of a sudden you, you've got and Debenhams were already in administration. Um, you know, it's not something that's happened overnight. They were already in trouble, and that's like you said, put the, the sort of final nail in the coffin. I think you make an interesting point, and, and the bit that I'm always sort of whirling around in my mind is I can remember the days well it's not that long ago we had Woolworths didn't we and then we had British yeah. home stores and um, there's still gaps if you go to some town centres you've still got empty buildings that used to have these uh, these stores in there and, and now you're going to lose a whole raft of other stores as well because the Arcadia impact is not just on Debenhams it's also on those other smaller stores that they had on the high streets as well how realistic is it that that those stores are going to be filled again with 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 retailers. Or are we looking at, at what many have predicted for some time is is a completely different shape and look uh, for for the British high street? I think one of the underlying problems uh, for that sector uh, has been the uh, the location. You know, the property price in turn uh, impact on rent, business rates, etc. Those problems haven't necessarily gone away which makes us question uh, whether those uh, properties, if they go empty and, and if indeed these um, stores close down, um, will, will those shops be filled again? It looks very difficult uh, to imagine uh, that you know, somebody else, you know, a Marks and Spencer or a John Lewis might immediately step into the vacant uh, property there because those stores are also struggling. And you know, John Lewis has cut uh, down the number of sites, Marks and Spencer, uh, have announced that they are going to cut down uh, the number of sites. So it is a it is a, a sector wide uh, problem, and it is extremely difficult to see how those um, properties may be filled unless there is a fundamental change in how um, you know we uh, we encourage uh, the uh, high street, and that requires root and branch uh, reform of the business rates uh, system. Yeah, I think we'll come back to the business rates in a minute because there, there is a big thing about that, and it's off partly linked with, with one of the things I'm going to bring into, into this now is, of course, that people will no doubt point the fingers at online retail. People will no doubt be saying, well, you know, Amazon, and, and, and that's, you know, the, the the whole issue with this, that you, you've suddenly um, got a, a significant player like Amazon that's sucking the life out of the high street. Obviously, that's an impact. Uh, that, that's a factor in, in, in the impact of what's going on. But it's not all online retail's fault. I mean, Debenhams had a website. It's not as though they completely ignored uh, the online bit. But we've seen, haven't we? And you've seen as well. So I've been where you've, you've, you've been going through some of our uh, research and, and the numbers that are involved. The, the huge step up and increase in online sales. So again, that's another factor that you know on a on a, a sort of poorish sort of business model, poor trading conditions. You throw in a huge competitor like Amazon, and it was only ever going to end up one way, wasn't it? What what in your mind it, it has been the impact of of the rise of people like Amazon and the online shopping. Uh, boom, really, that we've seen certainly during uh, lockdown. But again, you know, that was happening for over a couple of years now. Has that been one of the critical factors in in uh, in the demise of high street retail? Absolutely. Um, and I certainly agree. And this is, you know, th these disruptive activities are um, going to take place. And uh, although it is not an exact parallel, I mean, let's just uh, think about what happened to the mobile phone market when the iPhone was launched in 2007. 
you know, we we the thought mobile phones worked in this way, and this is you know this is how we were used to operating with our mobile phones. Suddenly, one device came and then changed the entire market in a in a completely different direction. And online is uh, one such um, uh, one such uh, platform. It, it, you know, Amazon has been around. Amazon is, is a giant, but there are also other um, organizations which uh, which are very active in that market. And I think, uh, to an extent, um, the the high street uh, and the big chains uh, were a bit late getting into the online uh, market. I mean, that may have certainly have a part. So, what happened with regards to online sales? I think about 10, 12 years ago. Um, the component of e-commerce within overall retail sales was less than 10%. That has steadily increased. And earlier in this year, it was at about 20%. During the peak of the pandemic, it went up to a third. So one third of all retail sales in the UK were taking place via the online channel. It is not at one third. It has subsequently come down, but it is at 28%. But that is still a 30 percent increase on the average of the last uh, three or four years. But that increase of 30% has come about in a matter of months rather than uh, years. So online is um, certainly a, a challenge. Um, and as, as we were saying, you know, uh, we have heard numerous uh, instances and, and there is a research that validates the fact that people actually go into a physical store, uh, they want to test a product out, they like the look and feel and then they go and buy it uh, elsewhere. Um, and with the scale at which some of these big online sales, you pointed out Amazon, and it's, it's a good example, you know, their uh, economies of scale are, are going to be advantageous for them, and they might be indeed able to sell some of these products at a much uh, cheaper rate. But we need to incentivize uh, high street. And, 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 you know, at the moment, it is not a level playing field. Uh, between the online channels and uh, the high street uh, chains. And, you know, Debenhams uh, have online operations, but others have been kind of slow in picking it up, mm. which is why I think this is going to be an extremely interesting um, uh, 24, 36-month period uh, coming ahead of us. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned before um, the, the impact of business rates on this, and this is always something that, you know, anybody with any sort of physical presence on the high streets or any type of business premises or anything like that, business rates is always a, a bone of contention to be quite honest. I've yet to meet anybody, I think, in, in my 17 years I've been working at the Chamber that's satisfied uh, with the business rate system. Um, so we may get some change one day. But again, that can't be um, uh, um, underestimated as to, you know, the impact that it has had on Debenhams. You know, we've got somebody there with 124 stores. Uh, so what their business rates bill would have been would be absolutely astronomical. And that money's got to be paid. And, and, and things like this are, again, just one of a number of factors that, that things are catching up uh, pretty quickly with a lot of businesses, aren't they? Um, we, we've called for business rate reform. I'm not sure it would have helped in this particular instance. But again, to prevent this sort of stuff happening in the future, things are going to have to change, aren't they? Things are going to have to fundamentally change. And I think uh, the estimate is that up to a quarter of business rates are paid by retailers. Uh, and some of the smaller independent or uh, convenience stores, uh, which are large in number, uh, may indeed be operating from very small premises. So they might be indeed eligible for small business uh, rates relief. And which means the bulk of uh, the payment uh, 
uh, and I think it is about uh, eight billion or so that the retailers or themselves uh, pay in business rates. The big retailers. It's a huge amount of money. It is. It is not money that uh, that you know uh, the online channels uh, have to pay. Even the retailers who who have been trying to build up uh, the online channels, you know, that they won't necessarily have to pay that level of business rates uh, within uh, their uh, private industrial spaces, you know, the warehousing spaces, their logistics uh, uh, facilities, etc. The whole um, system of business rates uh, will uh, need uh, to change. It is uh, disadvantageous uh, for uh, retailers. But the other thing that uh, the pandemic has uh, shown us is commercial property uh, sector has been affected, and you know all of this comes within uh, the, the the overall purview of uh, business rates. So, if we are going to sustain uh, a thriving city center without some of these big uh, retailers operating uh, within that uh, space, then I think we have to think very differently about what our city centers uh, will do, how we tax uh, property that is located in some of these uh, prime uh, locations. I, I don't think it can be put off uh, much uh, longer. There is not much benefit from simply tweaking the system at its edges. Um, it needs a fundamental uh, rethinking of how we are going to be uh, doing this. But at the same time, I'm, you know, we, we shouldn't be uh, forgetting the fact that the contribution of business rates within overall tax revenues is an important part. And getting leniency and concessions from the treasury uh, at this rate is, is, is going to be extremely hard because you know the 300 billion pounds for COVID, you know, other spending promises, et cetera, they will have to be repaid. Public sector finances will have to get back in shape at some point of time. Um, and so it, it, it requires uh, a massive rethink. And one thing that we have uh, identified from conversations with businesses uh, is the fact that input taxes, such as uh, business rates, uh, are not uh, liked by businesses. And what businesses wouldn't probably mind is you know, creating uh, less input taxes, uh, which are fixed costs to an extent. Um, but actually, the corporation uh, uh, tax can go up a bit. Yeah. If there are a proportionate decreases uh, elsewhere, hmm. I think it's, it's it's one of those things. There's so many things happening at present, and it's in a very short, compressed time scale. It's almost like a sort of, you know, um, a sort of ideal storm, a perfect storm, isn't it? Of things, you know, you've got big retailers going uh, out of business, and, and of course, the 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 one thing that sometimes people forget about is the thousands and thousands of jobs that are absolutely. Yeah reliant on it uh, and coming as it is at this time of year you know we're, in, we're into december now uh it's absolutely heartbreaking it's, it's terrible at any time but obviously you know there's, there's people there that are, are really going to be wondering what on earth next and and we're not just talking about a couple of hundred we're talking significant numbers there and on the back of everything else going on uh with covid there are some really really serious um, economic problems here beginning to come come to the surface. So um, we, we've just got to keep our eye on that. And obviously, I think one of the things we'll probably come to maybe in a future episode is what can be done with the high street going forward and some ideas and, and things about that. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to that because I think people have said, oh, this is it, it's the end of the high street and one thing or another. I think it may be a little bit premature. It's just what it looks like in the future will be Absolutely. significantly different. We're not going to 
bulldoze town centres because the shops are shut. Some other use will come through. The key thing is trying to get identified part of that and how you can make that happen uh, an awful lot quicker with, with minimum disruption. I just want to move on to something else now. And again, we, we, we do an, an awful lot of research and, and survey work at, at, at the Chamber. And so you, you head that up uh, for, for, for the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and one thing that we've been in demand for uh, over the last couple of months is to give um, the overview of what's going on in the Greater Manchester economy. You know, the number of times people have said, well, what do you think is going to happen? What's the forecast? What are sales looking like? What's the unemployment rates? This, that, and the other. You sit on an awful lot of information, don't you? Knowledge, not just from sort of central sources like the Office of National Statistics, but directly from our members as well. So, and that's the key bit, isn't it? It's one thing to look at a spreadsheet full of numbers. It's another thing to tell the story behind it. Um, just want to explain a little bit about about how you sort of piece some of this together uh, to to come up with with you know what you think is going to happen and what you are seeing happen in in the economy. Well, I think uh, there are there are a few different aspects to it. Um, it. The numbers always say a story, and the numbers are what they are for uh, reasons that they don't always explicitly tell us. Uh, and so, you know, when we are trying to look at numbers, um, I think we need to try and interpret them. We need to try and understand that with informed opinions and commentary uh, and by speaking to the, uh, the the business community. And one of the big advantages that we have at the chamber is we are speaking to uh, businesses uh, day in and day out. You know, it's uh, different parts of the chamber are speaking to uh, businesses. The international trade team uh, will be speaking to many businesses, uh, which will be extremely informative and valuable in the context of, you know, uh, Brexit, um, not far away at the moment. Uh, we are speaking to uh, retailers. We are speaking to businesses which are operating some of the commercial spaces that uh, retail is located in. And that's you know that's one thing. So trying to interpret the numbers by using informed commentary. But the other uh, issue is we always have to ask ourselves whether the numbers uh, make sense. You know, sense checking those numbers uh, I think is extremely important. Now the data that comes from sources such as the off Office for National Statistics, you know, that has gone through rigorous checks, and you know they they will definitely um, match that with other uh, data sets as well. So data from that comes from the Office for National Statistics is is going to be accurate, uh, and the data is what it is. Uh, but one of the the fundamental challenges within any uh, research and data analysis is uh, focusing on one number and trying to build a narrative around it. You know. As as someone once uh, famously said, there are lies, the damn lies, and then there are statistics. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, we, you know, the, 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 these are numbers. Numbers are bandied about. Uh, numbers uh, can be used um, and misused. Uh, they can be interpreted in entirely um, wrong ways. And so I, th I think from our point of view, uh, it is it is what you know what are we collecting this uh, data for the data is being collected for the purpose of understanding what businesses in greater manchester are facing at the moment we used to do that using the qes service that was quarterly but we have you know now the requirement uh, for uh, some real time uh, data so we have these uh, service now these uh, surveys are anonymous 
Um, so businesses can be confident that the data that they are uh, providing will not be directly attributed to an independent uh, business owner or a, or, or a manager of a business that is uh, filling it in. Um, and they can they can uh, tell us uh, their honest uh, views. We also seek uh, feedback. You know, we ask them for commentary as to what their uh, personal uh, experiences uh, are. And that gives it a certain uh, validity. Uh, but if we are doing uh, this level of research, as if we were to do market research by calling people up on the phone, perhaps, then it can actually affect uh, the opinions mm -hmm. uh, that uh, those uh, businesses are uh, now coming back with in terms of uh, their yeah. uh, responses. And I think that is something we have to be very uh, cautious about. Now, of course, you know, even even they they will have loads of uh, data that uh, we can uh, present, and and we have to also think very carefully of what is it that we are asking uh, businesses uh, to uh, to tell us. Yeah, and I think those are the uh, kinds of uh, processes, you know, which is uh, generally what good research has to follow, and that's what we have been uh, trying to do to an extent over the past uh, many months. But ultimately, it is uh, down to. Uh, you know, the interpretation of it and making sure that those interpretations are not completely off the mark. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we calibrate our data against other established data sources, such as the ones that com come mm -hmm. from uh, various de departments of government, uh, then we can uh, be uh, assured that, that that data is to an extent accurate. Yeah, I think I think you made an important point in that. It's, 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 it's got to make sense, you know. And I know you don't you don't know what the data is going to say, but sometimes there's stuff on there that you, it causes us to just sort of think a little bit about. Hang on a minute, that that's completely out of kilter with 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 what we've seen before. And I think the other thing to say is, of course, is we don't ask for numbers uh, in 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 the in the quarter economic survey, or the, the the other surveys that we do. We don't need to know what your PL accounts saying or anything like that. It's very much based on on the here and now, isn't it? And over the next couple of months coming up, uh, to 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 give it that uh, that feel and flavour. And it is important, isn't it? Because while it's difficult to forecast these things, you've got to have a rough idea about what the sort of trajectory is going. And I know you've done some great work looking at the recovery and and we've had to change some of that haven't we because obviously a second lockdown came and a second wave of one thing and another and uh you know uh, looking in, in in the press and whatever there's still some people saying oh it'll be okay it's still going to be a v-shaped recovery well that v v disappeared a long long time ago as as far as we're concerned but uh you know and i think that's part of it isn't it to be able to adapt as, as well as update on what you're actually seeing and, and what you're telling people. If you just carry on with the same message, you might get it right once in a while, but it'll be wrong consistently. Uh, yes, uh, which is why we have to be responsive. And you know, if we if we collect data at, at, at a particular point in time and then use the, the forecasting that is based on that data uh, and then leave it for six months or one year, especially at a time like this, where there is a constantly uh, changing picture. You know, uh, we didn't expect a second national lockdown. It was being ruled out. But we are now exiting the second national lockdown to go into pretty much a similar situation in Greater Manchester, at least. You know, except that some non-essential retail stores uh, will be open. I mean, that's the key difference that we are going to find. But the responsiveness uh, has to be taken into account and we have to make our assumptions. You know, th there are assumptions that we make in any, any economic model. There are uh, various assumptions. We can be upfront about those assumptions and constantly change 
you know, our models based on new emerging uh, data. And that is where the problem is. You know, in, in June, at the end of June, the beginning of July, when hospitality was, even we were a bit more upbeat. We didn't at that time know that there would be a second wave of infections and that actually we would be going into uh, increasingly more restrictive um, restrictions in, in, in Greater Manchester. But that's what happened. And so, you know, that that growth forecast was naturally and progressively uh, kind of tweaked uh, down. Uh, we have had to revise it down. And the, the current model is looking very uh, different. Um, the interesting thing for us, of course, you know, going back to that point that we made earlier about the reliability of some of the work that we have been doing is now most economic forecasts at a national level, Bank of England, Treasury, OBR, uh, they all agree with what we have been saying, that this is not going to be a sudden rapid recovery, that it is going to be a very long drawn, um, slow affair. And demand will uh, certainly come in, uh, but it is going to take uh, quite some time uh, for things to return to pre-pandemic levels. Okay, so thank you so much for that. I always have confidence in everything you're saying, and especially when it comes uh, to the state of the local Greater Manchester economy and some of the uh, the thoughts and things that go around that. Absolutely spot on. And uh, like I said, I, I love the way that you phrase the fact that all these major governments and large international institutions now agreeing with, uh, with what we said, primarily what you said, uh, over various quarterly economic survey results and everything, I think is, is absolutely spot on. But of course, we are right near the front line. We're speaking to businesses day in, day out and getting their views, getting your views on what you're experiencing at the present moment in time in, in the economy and the uh, the challenges that we've got through COVID, uh, which will probably be with us for some time to come. So that's the end of uh, this episode of The Sounding Board, the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce podcast. Thank you very much for, for listening. Again, look out uh, for future episodes Loads of stuff to talk about. Uh, it's going to be difficult to fit everything in, I think, really, in some of the future episodes coming up. Uh, but there's always something going on. If you want to get in touch with us and let us know any issues you want us to talk about, please do that. Go on the Chamber website. You'll find our contact details on there or follow us on social media, which is at GM Chamber. Thank you once again for taking the time out to listen. And hopefully we'll be uh, speaking to you soon in the future. Thank you. <laughs>